weren't for the ladies that weren't yet set free, I would have just said, let's just do the whole set again, praise and worship team. And that would have been church today because how amazing um, is it that God will step in to our junk and he will say, I want to take care of that. Would you please stop taking care of it yourself? And um, I cannot tell you how much I love my church family. Um, I've been here almost 11 years, and I don't think I've ever had a pastor's wife and a pastor that showed me so much love and trust. And God knew I needed that when I needed it. And then he began to bring in all these young couples and I'm telling you, they began to embrace me and to love me like I've never known in a church. And um, even today, I can't tell you how many of them have come up and said, we got you, Sister Amy, and you're going to do great, Sister Amy. And, and you know, when Sister Trisha, I, all week I thought, this woman's going to get up and preach my message Friday night, and I'm going to have to stay up late Friday and prepare a new one for Saturday morning. And then when she began to quote some scriptures I was going to use and some stories I was going to use, I thought, I'm in trouble. And one of our young ladies that loves me was standing next to me, and she reached over and she said, don't you change one thing about your message. And I had not said a word to her. And so I went home and I um, got my pajamas on and I went to bed and slept. <laughs> so, and, and, you know, I, I was thinking on the way up here, um, I can remember a time when um, I had never been to Fox Theater in St. Louis, and uh, my husband and a couple of friends took me up there to see Phantom of the Opera for my birthday. And what amazed me most about all of it was the orchestra. They had a pit orchestra and all the instruments, and they were perfection. I mean, everything just clicked together and made a beautiful sound. And I believe that's exactly what God's doing in this uh, conference that we're having. Um, you know, we've, we've acknowledged different people. Beth loves to, to get this crowd stirred. She's a crowd stirrer. I love it. And um, so I, I love that we've been identified. But just for a few minutes, I want to tell you, um, we have prayed about this conference for many months. And we, we hesitated about doing it at any certain time. And it was just like God said, this is the time because the world's in a mess and they need to come together. Women need to come together and realize who they are in Christ. And so we began to pray and fast and we began to get together and have meetings. And I cannot tell you the sacrifice the women in this church has made to make this thing come together. Um, if, they, if people knew, the, the place would be packed out because I knew God was going to do amazing things. And he's not finished. Let me just tell you, he is not finished. We've had everything from uh, lost loved ones to death. We've had sicknesses. We've got some young girls right now that's quarantined because their husbands went out and got exposed and didn't get to come after working on it. Um, we've had car accidents. Um, we, I got up last Sunday, was supposed to, uh, to speak at church and got sick, and they had to help me out to my car and drove me home. Um, and then this past week as I was praying, we, we had Monday night service, and and I got a text about 5 o'clock, and it was from Sister Wanda, and one of our ladies' three-year-old baby had wandered off, and they couldn't find him. I mean, I'm telling you, if there is an enemy out there that wanted to stop this conference, we have seen him at work, and every single time we've seen God overcome. Every single time. He is amazing, isn't he? 
And so there's a price to pay, but I'm telling you, our, our ladies, and for just a moment, we give God the glory for all of it. We all know that. But if you're part of our women's ministry and part of who's put this conference on, would you please stand today and let's just acknowledge all the hard work. Thank you, ladies. I know there was more. I know there was more. We got men back there working today. You know, um, as the name of my message today is Hiding Out and Hanging On. And I began to um, prepare for this several months ago, and, and I was talking to Sister Wanda. I said, I think I know what the title of my message is going to be. And I told her, and she's like, Stephen Furtick just preached on that. And I said, well, stink. Everybody will think I got his message. But it's not. It's a message that, that God gave me for you today. And I'm going to start with kind of a remember. Do you remember the game that we played when we were little kids? And it was called hide-and-go-seek. Y'all remember that? Did anybody play hide-and-go-seek? And we would elect one person to be the seeker, and they would hide their eyes, and they would count to a certain number, and we would all scatter, you know, try to find our hiding places. And then they would holler, ready or not? Very good. You have played. And that kid would start looking for everyone, everywhere, while they were trying to protect the base and trying to tag the runners as they came in. And whenever they, whoever they tagged, whoever got tagged was it next, right? And so when I grew up, there were all kinds of, because we played outside all the time, there was all kinds of hiding places like old sheds and behind bushes and trees and ditches. And, and there was, and oftentimes we would have a good hiding place, but we'd get to giggling and we'd get caught because of our giggles. And we get found. Now, back in that day, things were carefree, and, and we didn't really care if we got hot and sweaty. And we stunk like wet dogs. So, I mean, we would just, our cares were so small, and it was so easy to just laugh and run and have fun. Boy, hasn't the world changed. And I don't care if you're sitting here and you're 20 years old or 18 years old. I think we've got an 18-year-old I saw her, maybe even younger, or my age, or... Did y'all see Sister Cooper out there dancing in the spirit? If you haven't been raised in a church that has that liberty, you know, you're going to get a second chance in just a little bit to get that liberty. It may look weird to you, but I'm telling you right now, there is something that will set you free when you, when you let the Lord get a hold of you. And I pray, that's the only reason I'm teaching, because the one that didn't get it today, yet I want you to have it before you leave. So, in, anyway, in those days, you know, now we fast forward to adulthood, and all of a sudden, we only run to get in shape, right? We don't run just for fun. And we seldom laugh. Life is so serious. And heaven forbid that we sweat and stink like a wet dog. I mean, because, like, right, I'm sweating right now. Really, I am. Um, I had to stop singing a little bit because I was afraid I was going to lose my voice, but I didn't want to. But the truth is, ladies, we still hide. We still hide. Now, where are you hiding, and what are you hiding from? And I looked up the word hide, and it says conceal from the view or notice of others. Mm -hmm. Or keep secret or unknown. Now, this morning, I'm going to share with you a few Bible stories because Sister Tricia was talking about there was issues from front to back in the Bible, and that is so true. And there is also stories about people hiding from front to back in the Bible. And we're going to start in the very first book of the Bible this morning in Genesis, the third verse. Because women, we have our little secrets. Every single one of us, if we were honest, we would, we would tell people that we have those little secrets. And those are the very things that hinder us from being who God says we are. 
And so the first thing that I'm going to talk about that women hide from is shame. And in Genesis 3, you all know the story about Adam and Eve, if you've been in church at all, and they were in the perfect garden with the perfect scenario. There was no need for anything. But the enemy came in and began to whisper in their ear and began to present something to them that they were not supposed to be a part of. We do the same thing. And so Adam and Eve went to the one tree in the whole garden that they weren't supposed to eat from. And um, when they ate from that tree, and here's what the enemy would do. He'll set you up saying, oh, it's going to be okay. You're going to be better if you do this. And then once you do it, you realize, I should have never fallen for that one. Should have never fallen for it. But Adam and Eve both ate from the tree, and the minute they took the bite off the apple or whatever the fruit was, their eyes were open, and they immediately knew that they were naked. They knew they, they were just, before then, it was not a big deal. And so they went and got fig leaves and, and sewed them together and made themselves clothes. And so they, they, every day the Lord would come and visit with them. And so that night they were hiding because they knew they were in trouble. They knew they'd done something wrong. But the Bible says that they heard the Lord walking. They heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden. And they hid themselves from his presence. Do you know shame will do the same thing to us? Shame will, will make us hide from the presence of the Lord. Did you know that there's women that would love to be here today, but because they are so ashamed of what life they're living right now or what they've done or where they're at in life, that they will not come into a place where the presence of the Lord might expose what they're hiding? And that's exactly what Adam and Eve did. And so when, Jesus, when God came into the garden, he was, you know, it's not like God didn't know, but he called out, where are you? And go ahead and put that scripture up. And in verse 9, when they heard the sound, and he says to them, well, they said to him, well, Lord, I heard your voice and was afraid because I was naked. I hid myself. And here's what God said. Who told you? Who told you that you were naked? I'm not even going to read the rest of it because that was the point. Who told you you were naked? Who's told you the lie that you've believed? Who, who has opened up a door for you that tells you, you got to hide that? you got to hide that. Shame is one of the things that many women uh, hide, and their actions often lead to fear, and that's where they hide behind. They know they're guilty, and yet we've all done some things that we aren't proud of. Have we not? And if God put a big screen of our thoughts and our actions in front of us, we'd all be finding somewhere to hide, wouldn't we? I mean, you know what, um, as I was listening to Sister, um, nope, her sister, Treva, <laughs> Tita, that, that's what I was trying to think of, Sister Tita, when I was listening to her talk about Trisha, I thought, oh, our lives are so different. And if I was easily intimidated, I would have been calling Sister Wanda last night and saying, I don't have any college degrees, I was not raised in a Christian family, I did have a praying mama, that's my salvation probably, was a praying mama. But I'm telling you, I didn't have a daddy that come and gave me the truth. And I thought, I am so different than, I married a heathen too. You did say that, sister. But, but thank God, they're going to go to heaven whether they want to or not, right? Amen. But we are so different. And we will hide behind what we're not because we think we should be like everybody else. And I learned a long time ago, I'm not going to match up to anybody else. And I had to learn that my, my goal is to match up to Jesus Christ. That's my goal. That's my goal right there. 
And some of y'all are sitting here and you're ashamed. I talked to a lady before we started last night and she was, she was devastated. She was grieving because of her husband and what she's dealing with with him. Sometimes our shame comes from somebody else. It's not even us. But we'll carry that shame. Um, maybe that we, we came by ourselves. There's women I know stepped in here today that came by themselves. Do you know how hard it is for some women to come into a crowd of women like this by themselves? Women don't even like to go eat by themselves. Don't like to shop by themselves. But to walk into a room full of women like this and you come by yourself, that, that's amazing. That's amazing. But we hide behind our shame. The second thing I want to talk about is we hide behind is fear. And in 1 Samuel 10, I think this is such a cool um, story because, man, I've seen this so many times in a church. But sometimes we have a fear of being unqualified. And the Bible in, this, in 1 Samuel 10 is a story about when the Israelite children was watching all the other countries and they see that they've got a king. And the prophet Samuel told them, said, you don't need a king. You don't want a king because here's what's going to happen when you have a king. And they were like, we want one anyway. And so Samuel went, you know, went to the Lord and the Lord showed him who he wanted to appoint for king of the people. And so it happened to be this man named Saul and the Bible talks about Saul uh, being tall, dark, and handsome. They said he stood ahead above all the other people, and he was good-looking. And, and he had, you know, God, before he was appointed, God began to anoint him to prophesy and gave him everything he would need to be the king of the people. But in the scripture, the Bible talks about in 1 Samuel 10, let's read in verses 21 and 22, when they began to anoint him, it says, let me get to the right spot. When he had caused the tribe of Benjamin to come near by their families, the family of Matra was chosen, and Saul, the son of Kish, was chosen. Listen to this. But when they sought him, he could not be found. Therefore, they inquired of the Lord further, has the man come here yet? And here's what the Lord answered. There he is, hidden among the equipment. Well, that gives you a lot of confidence in who you just voted on, right? He's hiding behind the equipment because, you know why? Because he had never been a king. He was the guy that they sent out to hunt the donkeys that were lost. He was nobody special he, in, in this country. Nobody knew him as anybody special. And you know what? That's exactly who God picks. You think you're sitting there thinking, I am nobody special. I'm like you, Sister Amy. I don't have any college degrees. And, and, and you're old and you've had experience. I don't have that either. I'm going to tell you right now, that's the kind of people God's looking for, the unqualified people. I'll never forget when Stephen Furtick had written a book, and I was standing in the bathroom mirror putting on my makeup for church, and I heard him, I was listening to him speak, and he, he said, I had this book that I had just finished, and he said, I could not get a title for it. And he said, I turned on the TV one day, and there was this really highly respected spiritual man speaking to this talk host, the talk show host. And the talk show host was spewing out different preachers, different ministers, and saying, give me one word that identifies them. And so Stephen said, I was listening to this, and he's thinking, wow, that's amazing, that's amazing. And he, all of a sudden, he hears his name, and he says, Stephen Furtick. And the man that was speaking out the adjective said, unqualified. And he said, my heart broke that this spiritual man thought that I was unqualified for what I was doing. 
And he said, it took me a while to get over that offense. He said, I thought, I thought that I was qualified. I thought God had called me. And God began to minister to him. And he said, the longer that I listened to the voice of the Father and the longer I let him talk to me, he said, finally, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Speaker, see, I'm getting some of her cues, opened up my ears and said, there's the title of your book. And that's how the title of his book, he's got a book called Unqualified. It's amazing. If you feel unqualified, you just go get it. Because I'm telling you, when God puts a calling on your life, somebody wrote this, he already factored in our stupidity. He already did. That's the most comforting thing you'll ever hear. He's already factored in everything about us when he called you out. See, God isn't looking to see if your life is perfect. He's looking for the perfectly yielded, the person that say, here I am. He isn't looking at your abilities. He's looking at the gifts and the talents that he gave you. And he's not looking at your strength. He's looking to work his power through you. Do you think I would get up here in one moment from my strengths and my talents and my abilities? No way. I wouldn't do it. God isn't looking at your works. He's looking at your faithfulness. And God isn't looking at your resume. He's looking for someone to say, yes, I'll do it. That's you. And if you don't step forward from where you're at now, you're going to always be in the same place. You have got to move. Do it afraid because if we don't step into our privileges, it's going to be a tragedy. There is women sitting here right now that should be up here speaking instead of me. But for some reason, you feel unqualified. You haven't stepped forward. You're still waiting for the right time. I got a spiritual granddaughter right up, set up right up here, and she just told me before we started the service today, I knew when I was at Mullen with you at church, I was called to be a speaker. And I'm speaking over you. That's going to happen, Jody. You step into it. You step forward. When God tells to do it, you move. God did not give us a spirit of fear. He didn't say we were unqualified. We just do not realize how much God loves us and how much confidence he has in you. And the next thing that we're going to talk about we hide from is success. And this goes over to 1 Kings 18 and 19. And this is going to be one that um, most people's going to look at and say, what? Elijah the prophet was a powerhouse. You know anybody in your church that's a powerhouse? I mean, they are like the go-to person. This was Elijah. Elijah could raise people from the dead. He spoke to the widow woman's food, and it just kept multiplying and kept multiplying. Elijah was the one that people would go to, and, and he, would, he would pronounce a drought, and it wouldn't rain for three and a half years. I mean, this man was full of power. When he was about to die, and his sidekick, Elisha, he said to him, what would you like? And Elisha said, I want a double anointing of what you got. I mean, he was watching him. He wanted what Elijah had. So Elijah was the powerhouse in the day of the prophets in, this, in 1 Kings um, 18 and 19. You can read the story yourself. He was a prophet of miracles. And so at this point in time, the country was led by wicked King Ahab and Jezebel. And you all probably heard those names. Some of you may have been called that before. But some of you may have experienced it before. Leaders like that. But they were leading the people to worship the wrong god. And so Elijah come in through God's anointing and told them, you know, this has got to stop. So he challenges them to meet him on a mountaintop, and he tells them, you build your altar, you put your sacrifice on it, and you can call fire down from your Baal, your God, and see what happens. And then I'll do it. 
He wanted to prove who God really was. And so all the prophets of Baal, all of the wicked people gather around this big place, and they began to build their altar, and they really had a lot of confidence in their God. They really did. Because the Bible says that they cried out to him, and they prayed to him, and they begged him to call fire down from heaven. And they said even at noontime, it wasn't happening. They began to cut themselves, which was something they'd done back in those days, and, and just to try to move their God, and he wouldn't move. And so Elijah says, it's my turn. So Elijah builds his altar. He puts his sacrifice on it. Now, here's the powerhouse. He doesn't just do that. We've been in three and a half years drought, but he somehow finds enough water to build trenches and pour around that altar. Then he soaks his sacrifice with water. Have you ever tried to start a fire on something that was wet? It don't happen. But Elijah stopped after he'd done all this three times, poured water on it. He stopped and he prayed about 10 seconds to the Lord. I'm just going to read it to you. He said, it's in verse 36. He said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and I am your servant and I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. And in verse 38, it says, Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust, and it licked up the water that was in the trench. That's the powerhouse Elijah was. God gave him victory. And in the very next chapter, Jezebel begins to get angry because Ahab comes back and whining to her, telling her what Elijah had done made him look like an idiot, made their God look crazy. He began to share with, she began to share, he began to share with his wife, Jezebel. And Jezebel said, he's going to pay with his life because of this. And the word got back to Elijah that Jezebel threatened his life. This powerhouse prophet that had just called fire down from heaven had been so successful in everything he had done and the words from one wicked woman put fear in him like he had never known. And he began to run and hide. Did you know that some of the scariest things for women is success? You know, we find Elijah in the cave. Let me finish my story and then I'll, I'll go back. <clears throat> and it says here that verse 9 and 19. He went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, What are you doing here? Elijah, what are you doing here? Has God ever said that to you? What are you doing here? Why are you hiding? I've just, let, I've just given you what you need to be successful. And you're hiding in a cave from a wicked woman. Sometimes sex success is very difficult for women because you know what it does? For women, it stirs up jealousy and anger in others, and they begin to want to steal your joy because you succeed. People come out of the woodwork to criticize you when you're successful. I just this week, when I was praying about all of this, it was like the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and he said, you need to go see this girl. And I didn't know why, really. I thought it was for one reason, and I went, I called her, I met with her, and I began to tell her, she's an executive director over a ministry um, that's in different locations. One of them is in Bernie, where I live. 
and they, they do amazing things for people. They just do amazing things. And I begin to tell her, boy, the presence of your ministry in this town is making a difference. And I begin to share things with her that the Holy Spirit just spoke through me. She began to weep. Beautiful little hard-working servant of the Lord began to cry. And I thought, my goodness. And she looked at me through her tears and her broken voice, and she said, you do not know the criticism that I get. Success will bring out the criticism from people because they're not willing to step out. They're not willing to pay the price. And I was shocked. And I, I got the opportunity to pray for her. And, 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 and I, I'm continuing to pray for her because she's doing a great work. But the enemy wants her to stop. And God wants her to continue. Someone once said, hope for the best, expect the worst. That's clever, but that's crap. If you're taking notes, write that down. Hope for the best, expect the worst. Are you kidding me? God's our living hope, and we put our hope in him. We should be expecting the best, but we don't, do we? We're guilty of it. I know I'm not supposed to use the word crap, sister. I'm sorry. That's my go-to word that I get in trouble for sometimes. This will be my last conference I'll be speaking at because I said crap. Oh, you should have said that last night, sister, and then I could have been good. <laughs> okay, good. So God knows that hiding's not the answer. We hide our weight. How many of y'all try to hide your weight? Oh, my gosh, look at the hands. We hide our gray hair. I go once a month, every four weeks. It's on the books. I've already got next week's appointment, next month's appointment. There's this stuff that you can buy that hides your cellulite. I don't believe it works, but they say it does. Your wrinkles, really? Someone was telling me about these new teas that they've got that you can drink them, and it's got collagen in them that's supposed to make everything tighten up. That's $7 of bologna is what it is. <laughs> we got women sitting here that, that they, and I'm not trying to ruin your business. I'm not. I promise. I, I wish success over them, Lord. We try to hide our wrinkles. I'm much older than Sister Tricia, so I know more about wrinkles than she does. And I've bought $80 makeup. I got some sitting there that's that spray foundation stuff that's supposed to really go on and not sink into your wrinkles and makes you look younger. And someone did tell me this morning, and I'm going to hang on to that, that I look, I have aged well, and I'm hanging on to that. But if they saw me without my $80 makeup, no. But you know what? It does not take the wrinkles away. We can hide behind everything that we can think of we can hide behind. But I'm telling you, God wants to show you off just like you are. He just like you are. And my last story in the Bible that I'm going to go to that people hide for is Mark 5. Sister Tricia almost preached this yesterday, and I rebuked it, so she didn't. <laughs> she mentioned it. I was holding my breath. I thought I'm going to have to take that out. Um, my multitude and my Jesus needs to get ready because I'm going to need you here in just a second. Yes, she's giving me a thumbs up. So Jesus and the disciples were right in the middle of a big revival, okay? Now, Jesus had been doing all these miracles, and his reputation had really grown. Everybody wanted to get close to Jesus, right? Like last night, I noticed after Sister Tricia spoke, you know, people wanted to gather around her, you know, and tell her, amazing job. And, you know, you kind of want to touch them, hope it rubs off on you. 
It's true. I mean, I've, I, I, when I'm around someone anointed, I'm like, can I just like put my arm around you and hope it rubs off, you know, pass that mantle on? And Jesus and his disciples had all been out doing these amazing miracles, okay? And so the crowd was humongous. I mean, the crowd was huge. And there was one woman that really needed a touch. And she had what they called in the Bible an issue of blood. And the Bible talks about in Mark 5 that it had costed her everything that she had. And everywhere she went, she was known as being unclean. And she had lost everything, no one to spend time with, nowhere to go, nothing to do. She was isolated. She was totally isolated. And she, you know, several years ago, a um, long time ago, actually 15 years ago, I got very anemic. And I know what that woman was feeling because I was so low on iron in my blood that they wanted to put me in the hospital and transfuse blood because I was so anemic. I could walk across the lobby at the bank, and I thought I was having a heart attack. My heart would start beating really fast, and I would get really weak. And all in the world it was was I was so anemic. My blood was not healthy. So y'all want to come on up? I need my multitude in Jesus to come on up because I'm going to, like, actually be an actress. Yeah? Now, this woman, come on up here. Luncheon's up here. You all know how to be a multitude, right? Be a crowd. And Jesus, I love Luke Lancaster, by the way. I love Luke. Luke, will you sing Breakthrough later when I get done here? Because that's my song I want. That is not the way the multitude would have done Jesus. Okay? And Jesus, you should be turning around to your multitude, too, not the women. Okay? And so, you all know this story. You all know the story. So she is, she is here at the service. She's here at the multitude of people. And this woman knows if this is her last hope. This is her last chance of being healed. She's done everything. She's broke. She's alone. And she's still as sick as she was when she started, if not sicker. She is sick and tired of being sick and tired. Are y'all sick and tired of being sick and tired? So here's what she did. You know what? Sometimes you have to kind of... Lose your dignity. So she says, okay, there's no way I want anybody to see me. So I'm going to have to sneak in here and hope nobody notices me. So how am I going to get through all these people? So I'm going to do it really quietly. All this dirt. Ugh. I can't hardly breathe the dirt. Hope they don't look down. And she's trying to get to him because she knows, she knows he's her only hope. And so she crawls through this crowd, and everybody keeps getting in her way. And she, I'll go this way. Well, maybe over here. I'll try to. No, that woman keeps moving. And she's trying to get to Jesus, and she's exhausted. She was tired when she comes. She's exhausted. She has nothing left, and so she stretches out her arm between the people. If I could just get a hold of him, just, just touch him. And immediately, the Bible says, immediately the power of God came out and healed her. 
That's my babies, by the way. <laughs> now let's talk about what it says here. If you go to verse 39, it says 29. I'm sorry, verse 29. Sorry, sound system. I'm not very organized. <laughs> Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up. And she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? Do you know this is the only time in the Bible that Jesus acknowledges that someone, power has come out of him to heal somebody? A woman. Wouldn't you know it? But his disciples said to him, really, Jesus? You see the multitude thronging you, and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the truth. Here's the verse I want you to latch on to. And Jesus said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. The only time in the Bible Jesus called a woman daughter. And every single one of you is a daughter of God. And we sit around and we let people call us names. We let people talk about us. And we, we accept what they say, the lies. You're not just a wife or a mother or a sister or a a best friend, you are a daughter of God. I don't care if you don't even know him as your Lord and Savior. You're still his daughter. He acknowledged her in such a way. Jesus don't want his daughters to hide, regardless of what you're doing or what you've done. Others will pull you out of the bed of adultery, and Jesus will sit quietly and put your accusers in their place. And then, then he'll love you enough to say, I don't condemn you, just don't go and sin no more. When someone who loves you doesn't have to, that's meaningful. That's meaningful. Jesus loves you, and he don't have to. So, what are you hanging on to? See, we really all want to be fixed. We want to be good women. We want others to look at us with kindness. And God wants you to be fixed, too. That's why he sent his son, Jesus, to pay the price. It's there for you. You just got to take it. There's going to be times when God's going to draw you to lay you down, to have you lay down what you're hanging on to. What are you hanging on to today? Some things just have been there so long, you wouldn't know what life would feel like without it. Today's the day. I love what Trisha said about last night about that backpack when she dropped it. Sometimes God just wants you to lay it down and how the relief that she felt. Y'all were watching these women up here a while ago, dancing around. I mean, just having them a time, you know, I cannot tell you the liberty there is in that. And God wants every one of you to have that. They weren't doing it to put on a show, I promise. You won't see Charity Hurst doing that until she drops flat in the floor unless Holy Spirit got a hold of her. It's a liberty that Jesus wants every one of us to have. You know, um, one of the things that I find myself attached to that I want to hang on to is regret. Because I knew at a very young age um, what God wanted me to do in my life. And I made some decisions that kind of deterred that. And I know that. I've known it all along. I knew. Regret is something. And it would rob me of my peace every single day if I, I let it. Because 
it's still there. Some of the results are still there. Some of the circumstances are still there. But I've determined that I'm not going to carry regret around in my life. Because every single one of you sitting here probably have regret about something that you've done. Amen? And you can let it rule your life. It can cost you peace every single day. I, I remember, you've seen some ladies standing up here. And I'm sure some of you are standing back there going, yeah, well, if I had their life, I'd be doing that too. And I asked their permission, and I'm not going into detail, but Miranda was one of them. She was a little cute thing up here in the plaid shirt. She was one of those that I can remember the day that before this sanctuary, we had an altar right over here. And she came in as a very young girl, very young girl. She went to the altar during the service. I went down to pray with her, and I'll never forget the regret that she was dealing with right at that moment. She knew she'd made a decision that was going to cost her. And she didn't think she had any hope left at all in this world to do it, have anything that she wanted. She knew who the love of her life was. She knew what she was supposed to be doing, but she messed up. And she was devastated. And you saw what God's done for her today. She's been up here on the stage. So there's one story I'm going to read to you that I have shared this before, but so amazing I'm going to read it to you so I get it right. And the name of it, well, I'm not going to tell you the name of it. A certain man of God had been gifted with revelatory insight into people's lives. And during an evening service, he ministered to a Presbyterian pastor and his wife. And by the gift of the Spirit, he revealed the couple's past, uncovered their present future, and then disclosed to them what was to come. And this work of God greatly impressed the couple. And as the prophecies were filled, one month later, the Presbyterian pastor brought two other pastors and their wives to another service for personal ministry. You don't have that much anymore, but the word of knowledge was exceptionally sure that night, and the second minister and his wife marveled at the accuracy and truth in the prophetic word. And the third couple stepped forward and began the word of knowledge was present, and the prophet spoke to the husband, revealing his past, his present, and insight into his future. Then the man of God turned to this third minister's wife, and as he began to speak to her, past suddenly speak of her past suddenly he stopped there was a very serious sin in your past the woman with her worst fear upon her turned pale and closed her eyes and the congregation hushed and they moved to the edge of their seats and the prophet continued and I asked the Lord what was the sin that she committed and the Lord answered I don't remember See, the Lord had been faithful to his promise. I'll not remember your sins, although many times this minister's wife had asked for cleansing. Still, she couldn't believe the depth of God's forgiveness. Christ had placed her sin in the sea of forgetfulness. He removed it as far as the east is from the west. Psalms 103, in case you want to look that up. From everywhere but the prison of her mind, her sin had been paid for and removed. And now in his great mercy, he removed it there as well. I'm just going to tell you, we remember things that God's just, he's forgotten it. He's done with it. When you ask forgiveness, it's done. There are so many things, so many things that we can hang on to. And I can remember another one is failure that um, Beth, that started to introduce me. Beth that's been on the praise and worship team. Beth that's my daughter, spiritual daughter. You know, I can remember praying with Beth because I heard her testimony so many times about going to be a full-time missionary. 
And Beth sold everything she had, gave up her job, earned money to go to Ecuador, right, to be a full-time missionary. And we were all excited for her. Um, I wrote it down in my Bible. I prayed for her. She gave us bracelets to remember. And she went to school to learn the language. And, I mean, she, she paid the price. Every sacrifice that could be made to do it, Beth did it. She did it in a godly way. And she was over there a short time, and um, I think totally a year, about a year. Is that right? Six months. It took her a lot longer than that to prepare. I mean, God had called her out when she was like 10 years old to be a missionary, and she believed it. I believe it. But she got all of this in order. She flew over there and got over there. Six months in, she came home. It, wasn't, it just wasn't nothing was going right. And I'll never forget the Sunday morning that she was standing over in this, this is in the other sanctuary as well, over in an area, and I was watching her during praise and worship. And she could not even lift her hands to praise the Lord. She was so broken. She felt like she was defeated, that God had called her into something that she didn't accomplish, and she just could not even sing a song. There was no song in her heart. But God in his mercy began to move upon her. And I'm telling you, you saw her up here on this stage twice already, and you'll see her again. God has taken what the enemy meant for bad and turned it to good in her life. And I'm telling you, it's just going to keep growing. It's just going to get better. You know, maybe you, you are one of those sitting here today. I don't, I don't have all your issues like Sister Trisha talked about. But there's people sitting here that's hanging on to sexual abuse, being molested, betrayal of a loved one. Um, I can remember ministering to a man at Teen Challenge when I worked at their thrift store up there. And he had been molested when he was like four years old by a neighbor in the garage. And he was like 60-something. He was gray-headed. He was an older man. And I got to minister to him that day. And the man stood after all those years and cried like a baby about that. He was hanging on to something that only God could heal. It's probably one of the worst things that men and women alike hang on to that they cannot get released from. And the only way you're going to lay that down and become free from that, that weight that stays on you, that shame, that guilt, that secret, is to lay it down. Now, I'm going to show you a little video, and I want you to watch it. It's about a minute long. I want to show you what it means to lay something down. Watch this. Everything I do turns into a disaster. I guess I really don't know what Christmas is all about. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, 
goodwill toward men. Now we're going to show that same video again, but I want to... That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. But I want, to, I want to show you something that you probably missed in that video. When Linus was telling what Christmas is about, what was he doing? He was hanging on to his little blanket, and he did not want to lay down. But right in the middle of the scripture where it said, fear not. And then what did he do at the end? Watch it again. Watch the blanket. <clears throat> Everything I do turns into a disaster. I guess I really don't know what Christmas is all about. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night, and lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. What are you holding on to? What are you hiding behind? That's what we want to get rid of today. Show the still picture back there. Misty, do you have the still picture? Because there's only one place where the things you've been hiding belongs. It's at the foot of the cross. You see where the blanket wound up? God wants his women to be free. I don't know what's been done to you or what you're hiding behind or what you're hanging on to. But I believe with all that's in me, from the mat at the pool to what I've showed you today, God doesn't want you to keep carrying it. And as our praise and worship team, if y'all want to come on up, because we'll, we're going to wind this down. But here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I, I want everybody to close your eyes for a minute and bow your head. And I want you to begin to think about you for a minute. I want you to be... I want you to be selfish for a minute and just think about you. What is there that you need to unload today? What is it that you are sick and tired of hiding from or hiding from people or hiding behind? What, what are you just so frustrated with hanging on to? You may put it down one Sunday and pick it back up the next. That's not what God wants for his women. You know, I know last night... You know, we, the invitation was given, but, and, and, and Trish is right. God can do things right where you're sitting. But, you know, when you start reading in the Bible, God asks you to do part of it. He asks you to move. And I'm going to ask you, I mean, you're in a safe place today. 
And I believe with the prayers that I've prayed and the time I've spent studying, that if you'll lay that down today, whatever it might be, you will not pick it back up. And you'll be free from that. I don't care if it's what somebody else has done to you or what you've done or what you're trying to get rid of. You only know in your heart what it is. And I'm going to ask you as honest women of God to come and stand across the front of this congregation just right now, just begin to come because there is stuff we need to get rid of to be free, to do what God's called us to do, to, to be the one that God can say, I need you. Will you please be willing to come? Get rid of your junk so I can pour into you. Get rid of your stuff so my power can operate through you. I want you to form as straight a line across as you can if, if, because I'm going to ask a friend to come up behind you. If somebody's got someone up here and you came with them, I want you to come up here behind them. And if you, if you feel comfortable coming up behind a stranger, would you please just come up behind the stranger and just lay a hand on their back. You don't have to get in their face. Because we're gonna, and I'm telling you, if you're here today and you don't have the Lord as your Savior, you're carrying the biggest load of anybody in here that you need to lay down and leave it because you'll never make it through this world without Him. I've tried it. It doesn't work. But I'm going to ask today that you all that's standing behind them to begin to pray over them. And I'm going to come down, then I'm going to begin to pray with you and some will come in front of you. I'm going to begin to, to bind those things up that the enemy has said you can't get rid of. You can't be free of it. You've got to hang on to this because of who you are. That's a lie. And today the truth is you can be set free from everything that the enemy has placed in your life. Everything that you did wrong can be forgiven and done away with today. You are a woman of God that God needs to use. He's got a calling on your life, an anointing. Today may be that day that the breakthrough comes. When he opens a door, no man can shut it. No man can shut it when he opens that door. So as they begin to sing, let's begin to lay it down. Whatever you have, pick it up and lay it down in front of you. Leave it at the altar right now. Do it physically. You might not see it, but feel it in your hands. Lay it down. Toss it on the altar of God. He wants to take it from you. Jesus.